0: good morning good morning good morning everybody
1: morning and
2: everybody you can see this is uh live and not recorded because you can hear the people in my backyard cutting grass right now so apologize <laughs> <in advance. laughs> john scott nice to see you back
1: hey everybody so i'm getting uh, my camera going
2: okay james welcome we'll get going here in a minute it looks nicer where you're at actually we have the sun poking out here now too
1: oh well this is definitely i think 2016 background of atlanta so
0: (laughs) yeah the the buildings have changed quite a bit
1: yeah exactly (laughs) i I took this picture from the 17th street bridge at at atlantic station yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah.
2: i was amazed actually uh, you know i i don't go through atlanta a lot for those that are on the call i'm just north atlanta but I was amazed actually going to the airport not long ago, I guess I just don't pay attention, all of the cranes in construction downtown right now. You know, um, yeah. I was surprised.
1: So. It's well, like a constant state for the past decade to I me, mean, just yeah. going anywhere in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. That and now Nashville,
2: yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, where my my middle one is headed to study architecture. So. Let's go ahead and jump in. So for those that have been back uh multiple sessions with us, first of all, welcome back. Uh you know, great to great to have you and see the to see the faces again. And for those that are are, are new, also welcome. But uh for those that um have been here in the previous two sessions, apologize in advance the first 2 to 3 minutes of me speaking it's going to be a repeat. So <laughs> Right. So you're going to hear the same things, but then all of Ken Murray stuff and all the value add is going to be brand new. So just just uh, just bear with us, if you will. So uh, we're excited today. This is a uh, grow your business during uncertain times. This is the third part of our series uh, sponsored by the shift spot. Uh, once again, this is not buildable content. Um, You know, these are, every session is new and unique, and uh, we please encourage you to invite, you know, friends to this and colleagues, etc. This is targeted to business owners and CEOs, however, so keep that in mind. Uh, Ken, if you can go to slide two, please. All right, a little bit about me. I won't read the slide. I'll let you do that. But over the past decade, I've been operating, I I use this term because I think a lot it resonates with a lot but i've been operating more as a higher gun or fractional state i've worked with companies of pre-revenue up to you know 50 million in revenue one reporting one, reporting one, oops, oops, oops. one sort of an outlier of 250 million across a variety of industries right from software to services to legal to cpa firms and a lot of even what i call chaos industry firms right Chaos industries are construction, HVAC, uh, landscaping, things of that nature. These are companies that are exploding generally from a growth perspective, cash flow perspective, but regardless of where they're at, they still get to certain thresholds and they're still struggling to run around with like chickens with their heads cut off because they haven't put some of the basic foundational things in place, such as the right people in the right seed systems and processes and things of that nature. So I come from three generations of entrepreneurs and uh, a lot of boom and bust. My parents, and I'd say more specifically, my father, was the type of individual that would put all the money on Red 32, roll the dice, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it did not. So I don't know if any of you have that experience, but going through that as a kid, uh, you know, and, and my mom literally coming to me sometimes to pay the phone bill and borrow money from a 10-year-old kid. I knew that I wanted to go out in corporate America and I want to learn from some of the biggest and the best and the brightest before I don't actually go do my own thing. So and then over the past eight years, I've been taking that big company experience and apply it to smaller businesses to help them get greater results, if you will. So you can go to the next slide, please, Ken. All right. So the shift spot was created to help business owners and CEOs take back control of both their business and their lives. Uh, my partner and I, uh, soon-to-be wife, which is winter. Uh, winter, please say hi or wave wave, wave your hand if you could. Uh, we both saw common themes and experiences in working with business owners. And we wanted to help them create a shift in how they worked in their business and in their lives and get more in balance. And c- thus, we created an exclusive community built just for CEOs and business owners. So our mission in May is purely for the benefit of CEOs and business owners, and it's all around marketing. So, Ken, if you can go to the next slide, please. Now, as I had stated, uh, the previous events, this is not gonna be a sales pitch. We are gonna talk a little bit about this, the Shift Spot. All the rest uh, is going to be value-add content that you can take back to your companies. But at the Shift Spot, we're all about helping you get balance back, and we focus on these core areas, such as finance, sales, marketing, people, leadership, and uh, you can find out more about us, uh, go to our site at www.thechefspot, please. And Ken, the final slide, or next slide, please. All right, so today we're gonna talk about how to drive business and, and create business during uncertain times, and specifically uh, talk about the growth gears. And I'm excited today to have a friend and colleague of mine, uh, Ken Murray, actually might as well go to the next slide if you could, please. Ken Murray is a fractional CMO. Uh, he's got a long history of experience, 25 plus. I went ahead and rounded up, Ken. I don't know what your exact math is, but uh, I went ahead and round up and shared my age. But uh, Ken, Ken uh, has, for the past couple of years, has been operating as a fractional CMO in mid-market accounts. He's an avid cyclist, downhill skier, cross country, uh, biking, he bikes a lot and he also plays the banjo. So I'd love to hear him play. And one of his claims of fame is actually the little jingle of around 1877 Cash Now. So, the very first session, I actually attempted to sing that. It was deplorable. Thank goodness John wasn't here. Scott wasn't here. I don't think we have any of the same players, but I'm not going to do that again. But if you recall uh, uh, that commercial, the, the opera singers, Ken is the, uh, the man behind that, if you will. So, with that said, let me go ahead and tra- transition over to Ken Murray. Ken, take it away, please.
1: Yep, great.
3: Thanks, Ken. Appreciate the intro. Great to be here. Again, good to see uh, some familiar faces and some new ones as well. Um, as as Ken said, so I've, you know, I've worked at a lot of different companies, uh, largely corporate, and for the past several years, I've been focused specifically on, you know, companies like yours, this, this sort of middle market working directly with CEOs and their leadership teams to help figure out growth, right, to help build a sustainable, uh, scalable growth engine, if you will, and uh, I do that with a company called Chief Outsiders. We're a network of about 120 chief marketing and chief sales officers now. We've added the sales um, expertise in the about the last year or so, um, and and that's all we do. Um, we spend, you know, typically six to nine months with companies, uh, so we're sort of plug and play. We've got all industries represented in our network. Um, so if I'm not the right person, we'll find the right person that can that can fit in and, and solve your problems. Um, and it's it's a very holistic process. And today, I'm going to share with you um, let's move on to the next slide here.
0: Oh, sorry, I'm, I,
3: just to uh, back up one once uh, stage here, the past couple of weeks, uh, we've gone through and had some fairly intensive sessions, the first one, you know really focusing on what's marketing and you know, how, how to keep things in perspective, keep it simple. Last week, we, we talked about what makes this so hard, the differences between big M and little m, and we kind of walked through a budget example. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, some some basics that you can take back to your team. And that's the whole point here, is, is to share information that you can uh, take back. Today, um, I'm really excited to share a concept that, that I use, that I've been using for you now decades, right, it's codified into this sort of simple process called the growth gears. Um, It's made up of three components, these sort of interlocking gears, insights, strategy, and execution. We've been talking about this for the first two weeks. You know, that's been the main focus. Here, we're gonna bring it all together. I'm gonna spend probably about 10 minutes on each of these gears, if you will. Um, and And it gets pretty, complex, right? So I'm going to try to keep it simple. Um, there's a lot of information here. I apologize ahead of, ahead of time, but I'm available at any time to you know help you understand um, any particular point in here, if you have any questions or issues uh, that you're thinking about in terms of how do I apply this to your teams. So the thing is, I pretty much guarantee that if you follow this framework, if you accept it and follow it, you're going to beat your competition. You're going to leapfrog your competition. And there's there's two reasons why. One, it's a really good framework, right? Um, it works. Two, they're not going to do it. They're not going to take the time and effort and energy it takes because it, it does take some time. I mean, there, this is a commitment and an investment. And you'll hear me say that time and time again, marketing is an investment. It is not an expense, right? Um, but if you do that, I'm pretty sure that you will be able to leapfrog your competition in any service or marketplace. So let's move on. All right, oh, and just for a reminder, th- this little uh, icon will be up in the right, upper right for in each slide, just to keep pace. If you have, if you have a question, I need to go back to what was in the insights, it, it'll always be there. All right, so here's the number one thing, and you've heard me say this for the past few weeks, you gotta be inquisitive, right? As you're thinking about the first gear insights and the specific focus on customers, you've got to ask a lot of questions of your customers, the right questions, um, but you have to be very inquisitive. and It's questions about them, right? So what drives their economic engine, right? So think about how how do you fit into their business, right? How important are you? Can I affect their profitability? You're starting to think about problem solving here and how how I plug in. what problems do they have that I might be able to solve? This is probably the most critical one as you think about engaging in a new relationship. You know, they've got they've got issues. They're not so concerned about your product or your service. They may not even be interested in it. They're interested in solving a problem.
2: And yeah, just real quick, let me add, I, I didn't say at the beginning, I have the past couple of sessions. We do want this to be interactive. Uh, some of the previous sessions have been very interactive. Don't, this is not purely just us, you know, speaking, Um, feel free. I know John uh, jumped in a couple of times last week, which we appreciate. So did Scott as well. If you have questions during it, or you even want to make a statement, uh, go for it, you know, or you can throw them in the chat or wait to the end. But, you know, the, the whole goal is to gain value out of this. And get some questions answered. So go ahead, Ken. No,
0: perfect, I have a, I have a quick question, Ken Murray. Yes. Can you give us like one or two examples of like the right questions to be asking your customers? You know, you say you got to ask the right questions. What What would be an example? One or two? So,
1: so what I'm
3: let's let's hold, hold hold off because as I go through that, you're going to start to see some of the questions, right? We'll start to see some of the examples. Okay. Um, the I will say that you know each situation is a bit different. And you need to make sure you know, you know you're you preparing the right questions, depending on what the situation is, depending on what the cus- who the customer is. I typically have a prepared list of, say, 15 to 20 questions that I really need to get answers to. And I'm going to be talking to, let's say, when I'm working with a client, I might be talking to 10 or 12 of their customers, right? So I can get a perspective. I don't want to just talk to one or two. I really want to get a broader perspective. I'm going to get those questions answered, but I'm also gonna find out some new things based on questions that I didn't have prepared, but our conversation goes in a certain direction because that's where the customer wants to go, that's fine. I always come away from this sort of process with two or three brand new insights or opportunities that I didn't even know existed. So it's super critical that you go through this phase and just ask questions, right? I can help you prepare how that is, and you'll see some examples of that, though, as we get through, all right? Then you also want to know their their perspective on you, right? What are we as a company known for? What value do we offer? And how does that value compare to competitors? So you can start to kind of position yourself as to where you are in their heads, right? So now we move into competitors Um, and, it's kind of basic to beat them. You need to know them, right? You need really to understand um, who they are, what, what motivates them. What are they known for? What affects their profitability? What's their growth strategy? You know, there are different ways of getting this one is, is to ask your customers who may be also, you know, their customers, right? You want to get their, your customer's perspective on the competition, but there's a lot of information that's available right at your desktop right? So there's LinkedIn, you've got, you know, how many followers does this company have? How many employees do they have? What are the backgrounds of their current employees? You know, can kind of see how they're structured. What positions are they hiring for? Like, are they in, are they in a growth mode? Do they, you see a whole bunch of new positions or not, right? So it gets, gets perspective. And then the other thing is going right to their website. You know, what, what are their, what's their mission statement? What are their vision and values? You know, customer testimonials, Typically, they're only going to put good customer testimonials up there, but it still could be interesting. You can see sometimes uh, some folks show a list of their customers. Um, There's other tools like um, usertesting.com, which is a very inexpensive tool to use where you can plug in your website and those, like two or three others, to see how they compare from a usability standpoint. Um, And then you can look at a a tool called uh, that I use um, very frequently. It's called SEMrush. And it gives you very specific information on website traffic, on keywords that they're ranking for, how they're getting business, where the traffic is coming from, super, super effective ways to get intelligence about your, about your competition. And there, there's a lot more. There's a lot of paid information that you can use, um, IBIS reports, D&B, etc. if you really want to get to know. But the point is to get some information about your competition. I think this is a really interesting thing to an exercise to go through is put yourself in the competitor's shoes. Like, if I were the competitor, and you got to do this objectively, right? But what would my marketing plan be? How would I structure this to sell their product and service and based on their vision and values? How would I approach the marketplace? How would I shift my messaging? And it can give you some ideas as to, hey, what might be working for them and how might it work for me? Is it relevant? Um, how would I create different partnerships? You know, am I getting some information about them as I'm thinking about them? And I think the most important thing here is what would I, if I were my competitor, what would I be doing to beat me? This is a super cool exercise to go through. You know, you have to really think about my strengths, my weaknesses, what am I going to attack? And it allows you to prepare for that inevitable. You know, someone is out there trying to beat you. So what would I do to beat myself? And how do I Stand off against that. Any questions or, or thoughts before I move on? There? Like I said, there's a lot, so I'm going to power through it as much as
1: I can. No? Okay, cool. Okay. I cannot see. What does this title say? I can't read it because
3: it's my things in the way.
0: Says Insights Company.
3: Okay. yeah. So we went to from competitors. Now you're now we're going to take gear, a gear
0: one. On a look. We're in gear yep. one. Yep.
3: We're still in gear one. Last bullet in gear one. Um, this is about the inward look, right? And again, you have to be honest, right? If you're not honest with yourself, this this is just not going to work. Um, thinking about what are we uniquely good at? Like what's what makes us stand out from anybody else? If you can't come up with something, then then that's a problem. Right, You gotta be uniquely good at something, right? So figure out what that is. Uh, what are the factors that, that impact us, whether they're internal or external? What are the biggest factors affecting our costs, right? So it allows you to kind of think about, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about economics, right? If you can't make a profit, it's gonna be pretty hard to exist unless you have some great big benefactor out there. Although you know, some technology companies have never made money, but that's another story. Um, who are our most profitable customers? You'd be amazed at how many companies don't know this. They just don't have a clue because they haven't done the hard work. They haven't looked at the data and they have some assumptions and those assumptions are frequently wrong. And similarly, who are our least profitable customers? And how do I make some change there? And we remember uh, in our first session as we talked about segmentation. So this is where some of the tools that we've introduced start to come in. It's like, how do I deal with these different uh, nuances, uh, profitable most profitable customers, least profitable customers. Do, do we as a company, do we have values? Do we understand them? Do we embrace them? Do our employees know what they are? Can we articulate them? Can they articulate them when they're out in the field? Do our com- customers know what they are? Like this is really important stuff. So you have to, this is the inward look and you need to make sure that you can answer these questions and so, Winter, hopefully I'm getting back to your, like what questions do I ask? This, this depending on who you're asking, right? There, there's a whole list of them. Staying on company here. So each of you, I'm assuming, has heard of a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. That's what SWOT stands for. Um, this is an exercise that I take all of my clients through regardless, right? It is fundamental. It's an exercise that can be done pretty quickly, um, an hour to two hours, perhaps, in a kind of workshop or Zoom setting. Uh, with the leadership team, it's important that it's not just a one, one view perspective. You wanna get more than one view. Um, and you really wanna get at your top, say 10 to 12 um, issues in each category, whether it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, or threats. The left side, the strengths and weaknesses is like the internal view. You know, what what is it that we're, thinking about ourselves and our competency. Uh, the right side the opportunities and the threats is the external view right So what are other people what what are the things that are outside of our kind of control that that we can do or that we can't do that we need to work on to fend off right if it's if it's a threat and then you you want to rank order them. This is an example of a client I have in uh, in Florida it's a technology company. And we went through this exercise and, you know, they realized from a strengths perspective that their largest strength was a global delivery model. They have, you know, they've got tech people in the U S in Argentina and in uh, Pakistan. And so having that dispersed talent gives them a significant advantage over their other competition. So, you know, this is something that we're going to highlight and you use the SWOT analysis to really build out, the rest of how you're gonna be positioning yourselves. Okay, we're gonna move into this gear number two, strategy. Um, strategy can be really complex. And I've tried to put it you know, on, on a page in a sense to, to really give you a simplified view of how to attack the market with the right strategy. And so bear with me for a second. On this left, axis, this vertical axis, you've got customers. And on the horizontal axis, you've got offerings, okay? And in each of these, you've got current and new. So you've got a, you know, a two by two grid here. So what you wanna look at is, you know, how do I need to deal with the situation of, you know, I, I don't wanna, I'm not building new products and I wanna go after my current customer base. I really don't, you know, um, uh, and, and by the way, these are not mutually exclusive. You, you can do some or all of them. All of them will be kind of rough, um, but, but you, can, you can have a strategy for each of these categories. Um, so if I'm going after this sort of current customer, current offering, I'm going to have to be able to do something, right? I have to build a strategy to grow this. And it's all about growth. This is the, the bullseye is growth. So I'm going to have to differentiate myself from the competitors. I'm going to have to take my existing products and services and improve them, whether it's improved packaging, improved function, whatever. Then you start to think about, well, okay, I actually want to get new customers. So I'm not ch- planning on changing uh, my products and services. I might improve them, but I'd really need new customers. So let's say I'm serving, I'm a software company and I'm serving um, the healthcare marketplace, and I've kind of penetrated that. And I'm like, I'm getting tired of that. It's not as profitable. What other markets could I enter? Maybe financial services, maybe insurance, maybe some other category. This is a new segment. How am I going to do that? Or, um, you know, geographically, maybe I'm based in the southeast, and my, you know, my key clients, my key accounts are in Atlanta, and Jacksonville, and New Orleans. But I have an opportunity in the Midwest. You know, I I have uh, you know a, a buddy in Milwaukee who has friends and Chicago and so so forth and so on. So I can expand geographically. So each of these boxes represents an opportunity for building a strategy, right, to attack and grow.
2: Hey, Ken, let let me just just, uh, interrupt real quick because I know uh, most on here don't know each other, but fortunately I, I know most on here, but not all. But you've got a lot of strategy CEOs on here that are very strategic. I mean, uh, Scott has spent his life, uh, uh, you know, building and around strategy and everything. John is all about strategy at Logic Spree. I mean, Mike O'Neill, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just got done executing a two-day strategy uh, program actually last week. Uh, Gary, looking you up on, on LinkedIn, I know you communicated with Winter, but a lot of strategy from your perspective and Mark's as well and everything. So, you know, I'd like to hear others thoughts on, on some of these things or questions or everything, because, you know, one of the uh, one of the good, great things about the the shift spot is bringing folks around the table that actually have these strategic minds and different approaches and perspective as well. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, the rest of you, how you feel, what your questions might be and thoughts on this from a strategy perspective, purely.
1: From a strategic standpoint, um, I, I guess I'll just speak from my own experience but with my own company, and you know, I took this you know, very same approach when looking at, say, you know, expanding our business. We focus on new segments or geography. And for us, we do focus on um, geography as well as specific areas within the platform that we work on, and we focus on Salesforce, which there's a lot to it. So we choose very specific areas, specific verticals, very specific geographies, um, for our expansion strategy. So this is you know, spot on um, in terms of the way that we look at things. Okay.
2: Cool. Not to put everybody on the spot, I just thought it was <laughs> interesting. But, uh, a lot of you have, uh, are, are very strategic minds. So go ahead, yeah. Ken.
3: No, feel, and like Ken said, feel free to, to chime in at any point. So just working through the strategy uh, pieces, we've got, um, again, I'm gonna keep saying this, in order for this to work, you gotta be objective and you have to be honest with yourself, um, You know, ask yourself the question. So how are we gonna grow? Getting back to that previous slide, is it gonna be organically, ge- geographically, acquisitions? Am I in a position to do acquisitions? Do I have capital to do that? What am I gonna to need to make this happen? Do I have the right people in place? Um, capital we mentioned, do I need partners? Um, that's a great model if you can make it work. Um, to expand and and how does it reflect what we've learned already about our customers, competitors, ourselves in the insights piece, right? So whatever you do, in in this case, it is buildable, right? So you've got to understand um, how am I going to apply what I've learned into my sort of growth strategy uh, plan. Otherwise it, it really doesn't work. Okay, now diving into offerings super critical, you got to make sure that whatever you're doing is aligning with the needs of the marketplace. Today, obviously, but you have to be a little bit of a visionary. You got to know what's happening. You know, So if John is, is selling um, you know, Salesforce integration solutions, I'm not sure exactly what your company does, John, I'd love to talk to you about it, but um, you got to be where Salesforce is, and you got to know where Mark Benioff is going, right? So that you can you can move when they're moving and you can be value added to
1: to their to
3: their customers
1: i can give you a really good example that yeah. this week because of that so for us initially the markets that we are going to focus on were the atlanta and raleigh markets however um, one of the verticals that we do really well in is real estate and salesforce is focused on real estate and their focus in florida now So tomorrow morning at 4 a.m., I'm flying down for a customer appreciation event in Miami, my team, because we're going to reshift our focus to Miami and Florida based off Uh, of Mark Benioff, essentially.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And so you have you, you know, that's taking that, you know, this this gear, essentially, and being aspirational. Right. You're you're saying to yourself, I got to be here. I have to have the vision and we're going to build this out. We're going to go for it. Um, but but it's not just a guest, you are know, like didn't wake up one day and say, oh,
2: well, you know, maybe we'll go to Florida.
3: Right. It's based on, you know, data and information that you have. That, that's awesome.
2: John, not to distract us, but winter has decades in that area and that uh, understands that geography as well. So it might be some
1: value picking her brain offline as well. So, yeah, definitely check you offline. Cool. Well, good luck. Um, so, so, again, getting back
3: to. Uh, the offerings, the questions that I need to ask myself, is this what the market really wants or needs? And I'm, I'm only going to know that if I find out and ask the questions and look at the data. Uh, should we look at this as a product or a service? I mean, especially in the software world, there's more and more service-based recurring revenue opportunities versus just selling a product. How should I price this? critical. Um, how am I delivering the service, right? And what features and functions and benefits are most important? How am I going to kind of highlight this um, and can the way that we deliver, and this is a really, I think probably the most important bullet here, can the way that we deliver the product or service differentiate us, right? So I'll give you some example, um, maybe a poor example, but think about when you order, um, if you have an iPhone, I'm not sure if you guys are iPhone users or um, Android users, but I've been an iPhone user for years and years um, and the packaging, Right, The packaging that you get the iPhone in, whether it's delivered at your home, office, or if you go to the store to pick it up is amazing. To me, it's amazing um, and it's not inexpensive, but they've intentionally created this packaging in such a way for it to be memorable and for it to be easy to use and for the directions to be simple and for the packaging to be unique and brand- so brand centric. It differentiates Apple in my mind, right? a lot of things about Apple differentiate themselves, but that one in particular sticks with me. And it's just a package. So think about how you can deliver your service and can it really differentiate. And, and I really try to get people to think about being amazing, right? So think about how we can amaze our customers. I want people talking about us. So the, your brand, and we'll get to this in two weeks, but your your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And you want people talking about your brand in the context of being an amazing experience, regardless of what they're doing, with, you know, with, what your customers are doing. And this product, this sort of delivery system, is is one one place where a lot of a lot of companies don't pay enough attention, right? It's kind of that last mile. So I'm going to walk through a quick um, construct that I use uh, with clients again. Um, oh, in a second, sorry, it's about positioning. Uh, capturing really the the elements and essence of value and driving why we as a company matter, right? What is it that we do? This sounds like a basic question, but um, you'd be amazed the number of times I've asked leadership teams, okay, so tell me what you do. And I get, out of five people, I get five answers, right? You, you gotta be on the same page and you have to be able to say it succinctly. Why is it relevant? To the target audience how are we different how are our target um customers different this is super critical real quick example um i went through a um, voice of customer exercise with one of my clients and uh, you know was asking them asking each about 10 of their customers um, and this was the ceos were the customers uh their clients um spend about an hour each with them. So it was an investment in time, but I needed to really understand this as part of our insights work. As I'm asking the questions, I'm starting to tease out. There's two different groups here. Um, There's two different personas that I'm talking to. Didn't know this before I walked into the conversation. One is kind of a passive group that uses my client's products to solve some problems, solve some basic problems. It isn't fundamental to their business. Uh, but it's nice it's nice to have and 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 they think it's affordable yada yada then there's this group that uses the product and service and integrated it in many different aspects of their business and is looking to do more i called them the transformers and i called the first group the passives and we took that information and we completely changed how we position the company because both both of these personas are important. Um, the transformers are more important because ultimately they're more profitable. But there are lots of these passives out there, and we still need to be able to, you know, market to and sell product to. So we created different streams, different customer experiences, different website experiences, depending on who you are. Um, it's really critical to get to understanding how do I how are my customers different? How am I going to
1: target them differently?
0: And I think one of the things you asked us, um, Ken Murray, in the positioning was what makes you indispensable, and it's a question that haunts, you know, Ken and yeah. I, to this day, you know, is just what makes you indispensable.
3: And and you can think about it, you're going to get the best answer from, ultimately, from customers and users of the product, um, and that's hard at, at sort of when you're starting up, because you don't necessarily have a lot of users, right? Um, but, but you'll get there. Trust me, you'll get there, okay. Here's another construct that I use. So we use SWAT. We use this thing called brand house. And the ultimate idea is so you can see it kind of looks like a house, step back. Um, you want to get to a positioning statement. Um, super critical. It's got to be succinct. It's one sentence. it It really tells the element of who you are. Um, and you're really getting at. What do we do? Why do we matter? How are we different? Supported by data, supported by evidence in these proof points, okay? I'm gonna, again, share with you one client. I I won't go through all this. It's a lot of um, noise, frankly, Um, but I will read the positioning statement because I think it's articulates, you know, it's, it's this clarity point. For medical malpractice insurance carriers frustrated with stagnation and inability to modernize, client provides analytical solutions that dramatically improve risk management capabilities, increase operational efficiency, and drive profitable growth, okay? So the, the main thing is it really, it goes right to the problem, it goes right to the, the pain that their client, their clients are having, which are malpractice insurance carriers, and shows how they can overcome that pain right? It really isn't about the product. It's about solving pain. And that really is what a positioning, a good positioning statement should be. Again, supported by the knowledge of what we do, why we matter, how we're different. And then all this real, this is real data down here, right? There are solutions to have a 5% improvement in net premium based on rate class accuracy and automation. That doesn't mean anything to anybody on this call, but for their target clients, it means a lot. So, uh, again, something, this exercise takes a little longer because it, you have to iterate. You never get to this positioning statement on day one. Hard as you try, you have to iterate and edit and come back and there's a lot of opinions here. Uh, but but if you spend the right amount of time on it, you will get it and it will, it will take you miles because you can use it over and over and over again.
2: How long should that take? You said you won't get it day one, day two, day three? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, I did a
3: workshop. it was a it was a half day workshop, and we got all of the framework, right? We got the foundation. we figured out which data points to use to support the proof points. We right. figured out you know who we are, why we matter, et cetera. It's getting that 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 writing and editing process of taking that information and putting it into the the positioning statement. I think we took two more cracks at it right. after that. Uh, So, you know, probably all in all about a day, right? And that's valuable time. Like people don't have a day to do this stuff, but you want to, this is really, really critical. So, okay. Last gear, execution. Uh, We're going to dive into resources first. So you need, uh, you need money or capital, you need people and you need technology. In this case, it's, I'm using marketing technology because I'm a marketing guy, Um, but these are fundamental and you could come up with some other ideas, some other thoughts, but but these are these are the main three, right? So let's look, got to understand in order for this to work in order for you to really understand your resources and have the right amount of resources you have to understand the commitment that's necessary to achieve your dreams. Again, commitment, investment. Um, if you're not committed it's gonna be very difficult to get there. What level of investment do I need? Yeah, Ken
2: real quick mark and scott had to drop samit you're welcome uh, glad you glad you could to uh, for anyone that you know had to jump in later or has to leave early don't worry we're going to send this full recording out so you'll get everything you won't miss a beat but go ahead ken
3: yep so what level of investment will i need what people or skills am i going to need to make this work what technology will i need This is a um, getting into the tactics piece of strategy. Um, This is a typical marketing and sales funnel, right? You've probably seen something like this. If not, I can kind of walk through it. Um, And by the way, there's nothing linear about a customer journey And this is what this kind of reflects is this oh you know i'm made aware of the brand and now i'm going to go educate myself on the website and do some research and evaluate and you know justify that research and purchase and then go on through it 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 never happens this way right i mean there's a lot of back and forth and if you think about the sales process you know who's reaching out to me am i getting an email What type of research am I doing? How am I made aware of the brand? So it's kind of all over the place. However, you need to identify these stages so that you can understand and start developing tactics. So that I can, how am I gonna make people aware of my brand? Um, When they're made aware, what what do they really want to do? Most people wanna learn. Most people don't wanna just go and buy, right? I need to, to learn. So how am I going to educate them? Um, how am I going to show them that they might have a problem? What resources am I going to provide? Is it going to be a website? Is it going to be webinar like this? Is it going to be um, you know sales collateral or what whatever it is, right? Do I have their email address? Can I send them something? Um, how do I get them to really justify? Do I give a, a demo? You know, there's all kinds of questions here and and, and there's tactics to deliver the experience that's necessary to get the customer to keep moving through this funnel until they get to the purchase point. And then after they purchased, same kind of thing. Like, how do I get them to actually use the product? Because if they use it, chances are, if I believe in my product, chances are they're going to continue to use it and I can keep them and I can resell and I can get them to start being an evangelist for for the company. So- there's a, the, the point here is that you just have to think about the entire customer sort of engagement and, and journey, right? Along with that is measurement, right? Metrics. And I, I love this quote. Uh, it's from uh, William Thompson Kelvin, who's a British physicist. If you've heard of Kelvin units, it's a scientific measure of absolute temperature, so absolute precision. And he said, "What's not defined cannot be measured. What's not measured cannot be improved." I'm a total advocate on, of this. It's not perfection. Like when you're building measurements, you know, it's hard to get perfect. But if you don't define it, you can't measure it. And if you're not measuring it, there's no way you can improve it because you don't know what where it is. So think about that. I try to think about that at every aspect. Now. The problem is there's so many things that can be and should be measured, right? So I've got a real short list here, website traffic, SEO ranking, cost per click, conversion, funnel, email, open rate, brand awareness, et cetera. Uh, I could add 100 more easily. Um, And they're all important. They all should be measured. They all should be tracked. But, again, it's prioritizing the things that are most important, helping understand what that means. And then how do you connect those dots? And that's, you know, what we call attribution. How do I understand that, you know, as if I have a you know retail establishment, let's say, what drove that customer into my store? Was it a direct mail piece that I sent? Was it an ad they heard on the radio? Was it a search they did in Yelp and they saw me? How am I gonna know that, right? How do I connect those dots? And there are ways to do that. There Again, it's not perfect. Uh, but if you have the data set up the right way to measure, you can start getting um, um, much better intelligence in terms of attribution. Yeah, is there a question? Nope. Okay.
0: No, cool. as I was going to say, we've had a couple of people join in late. Feel free to chime in with any questions. And then um, Ken Murray just heads up. It's
3: 1142. Yep, I got it. I'm on. And on the last part.
2: Of and for those uh, that joined us, the whole recording is going to go out, so uh, once, once again, so don't worry about missing anything. Yep. So
1: two,
3: you know, a super simple example here, kind of of metrics from a B2B example. Um, let's say that you've done your budgeting for the, you know, upcoming year. And in order to make ends meet and, you know, including your margin, et cetera, I'm going to target my cost of acquisition $2,500 right but you know the sales just don't happen I've got to get leads I've got to understand who my target market is so I'm going to say all right well how much do I need to spend in order to get per lead in order to get to that $2,500 acquisition cost right that fits my budget so just kind of working backwards through the funnel um, you know if 80% of my proposals close, then I'm gonna to need to get a proposal in, it's gonna cost me 2000 bucks. If 50% of my sales qualified leads go to proposal, it's gonna cost me a thousand dollars per sales qualified lead. 25% of my marketing qualified leads become SQLs, then I'm gonna need, you know, two two 250 bucks per lead is my target, right? And so, if you, as you think about it, it's kind of related to last week's conversation where we were talking about budget, right? How do I establish a budget? Well, this is a key key component be, would become, you know, sort of the KPI in very general sense. It's going to cost different through different channels. But and then as you kind of think about, well, how am I going to get these leads through the door? Well, there's different ways of doing it. Here's three very basic examples. You know, I could use AdWords. Um, what, what do I need to get out of that investment at 5,000 a month and I'm going to get 1,000 clicks? Well, I need to get two percent. I need to get two percent submits. So that's my KPI, right? To target me at 250 dollars per lead, assuming you know, close rates are all the same um, through the various channels, and they're not. But if I think about event marketing, I, hey, I actually go to, to conferences, trade shows, and meet people and spend 12,000 bucks going there, what do I need to get? What do I need to bring back to make this work, right? Um, I've got you know an outbound calling effort. Um, this is going slowly away, obviously, because people don't answer phones anymore. But if you did uh, and you spent 7,500 bucks a month, um, you'd need 30 marketing qualified leads in order to make that investment work for you. So this is just an example to kind of get set in, ter- in terms of how do I um, how do I position my budget? How do I position my expectations? How do I start to set my KPIs as I am bringing all these growth gears together uh, and then tactically finding the right customer, the right prospect to, to get them through the sales funnel? Okay. That is the last of the growth gear slides. I do want to share with you a case study. OK, Ken mentioned at the
2: beginning of the show um, this. Okay. Uh, eight, yeah, yeah, those that weren't here two sessions ago, this is what I attempted to sing the first session. I chose not to ever do that. Yeah.
1: It, and it was I'm not
2: I'm not, <laughs> not going
3: to sing it either. Hopefully the video works. Um, I'm going to play it. It is It is a the culmination. So this is the the output of a lot of work. A lot of these gears
1: went into developing the execution. Um, and I'll talk about that after I play this.
0: Oh, well, it looks like I'm going to have to sing again. Please don't.
2: All right, it's not playing. So
0: it's not playing the sound.
2: So I'm sure everybody knows this commercial. <laughs> oh, it's not playing the sound. Okay. Oh, you do You hear it, huh? Because we. I don't. can hear it. Okay, yes, well, we do not. So you might as well close it out. It. Uh... We've got okay. a, a couple of smart technologists CEOs on the line. Maybe they can solve it, but that's for a different call. So. Okay.
3: So, so yeah, go go and when you get it, I think when you get this slide deck, you'll be able to play it from your desktop, yeah. right? So I, I thought we might have an issue. So apologies for that. But so the point here is that I had a challenge in front of me as a, I was a CMO at JG Wentworth. Um, I had a challenge because I was selling marketing a product that was very complex, took a long time, highly regulated, uh, and it was impossible to find the customers because there's no list. There's no way to really target them. Um, So what I needed to do, I needed to go through my growth gears. I didn't call it growth gears back then, but ultimately that's what it is. I needed to figure out how what what work is going to be necessary to get to my end result, right? Which is obviously you know increasing sales. but also I had I had this other goal. Uh, I wanted people thinking about my brand twenty four seven, right? thinking about maybe even singing about my brand in the shower uh, in the morning as they're getting ready for work. Um, So what's what's the work related to the growth gear? So from an insight standpoint, um, I discovered that customers were frustrated they couldn't access assets that belong to them. This is through deep customer insights. This is the the thing that really came through. Competitors, I actually wasn't too worried about because they were not known by the market. I asked the marketplace, what do you know, what competitors do you know in my space? They didn't know anybody except us. Um, and then from a company standpoint, there was a an urgency to grow, right? Given we we had a private equity investment at the time. And if you know, if you've been through that you know, ringer before, there's a lot of pressure. So I had that pressure to grow. These were the, the, the insights that were driving me. From a strategy perspective, like I said, I had no lists. I had to go do deep county by county research to find out where these people aggregated where there were concentrations of people and then put ultimately put together a plan that would allow me to target those people. The offerings, again, focused on the solution, not the product, nobody cares about the product. It's solving the the problem and the need. Um, And then positioning, I say fun and whimsical, it was really outrageous. It was really ridiculous and outrageous that I think are better descriptors. Um, To capture attention, to launch into outer space, if you will, in an unknown marketplace. So that was how we really wanted to position this. Now, from an execution standpoint, put together the, the tactics. I knew I needed to have, I had to have TV because I had no list and I needed to have broad, um, broad dispersion to get awareness. And obviously using digital as well. I also purchased this vanity number, 877-CASH-NOW. That was key. And that was how this thing all came together. There's a separate story I can relate uh, over uh, over a beer or something that's ridiculous re- relating to this number. But from a resources perspective, the the thing here is I had my CEO's commitment. He, you know, I walked him through the process. I walked him through what we what could become, you know, what I thought would would be magical potentially. And he backed me up, so that was the main, most important thing, is having his support. And then, from a metric standpoint, we developed uh, our own analytics, frankly, to be able to measure. Knowing it would be complex, knowing to measure, how to measure, tying when an ad ran to what we calls that we got in our call center, hits that we got to the website, conversions that we got on the website, traffic all the way through capturing at the customer level, and this was many years ago, we were able to do this to specifically track the impact, the cost, and, and the conversion. Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, we we dramatically increased sales. Uh, we owned the market. We actually bought several competitors as a result. They just couldn't compete. And that other goal that I had about having people you know, sing in the shower. Um, so on YouTube, you can go and see the ad itself. There've been millions of views. There's thousands, literally thousands of comments. The vast majority of them are, are funny and positive. Um, here's one. Uh, I've had this stuck in my head for like a week and I haven't seen the commercial in ages. This is, I just looked at this yesterday. Um, there was Every
0: time another- that we've talked about this, it stays in my head for a week at yep. bare minimum. every single time
1: (laughs) sorry about that yeah Um, i'm
2: singing it right now
3: (laughs) yeah yeah and i did get there was one there was one referencing i can't believe it i was singing this dang song i don't think you use the word dang um in the shower this morning um what's going on with my life so mission mission accomplished now that said there you know there's luck in a lot of things there's there's serendipity, a lot of things came together for us. Um, that has to happen as well, as you know, to, to hit it big. But it really was about the insights, the strategy and the execution at the end of the day. So that, uh, that concludes, I'm gonna push it back to Winter and Ken to kind of wrap up, I appreciate your time. And again, I'm, I'm available at any point uh, for conversation if anyone would like, would love, love to chat.
2: Just real quick before you transition over the winter at any point were you going to play your banjo during that commercial
1: i was
0: not okay good (laughs) thank you i'm glad for that um if if i have most everybody's email here um if you want the replay just drop your email into the chat list for me and most i have almost everybody but i think one person and i've emailed you directly on that so um Awesome. Awesome job yet again, Ken Murray. I know that this was a, this one was really exciting for you because you want, were very happy to share all about the growth gears. And um, I love how you try to incorporate all of those different things. And it's really a high level way to tackle marketing, which I think is what, where everybody goes wrong. You know, that's how these random acts of marketing show up is they don't think high level like that so um as we talked about ken murray is an example of an expert that we bring into the shift spot we have um three sets of events over 144 events a year and this expert coaching section section down here in the right hand corner that is the one that ken murray is doing for us for the month of may we're calling it marketing may in june we have a killer killer lineup um With um, actually Mike O'Neill and we are going to be talking about how to win the talent game so in June it's going to be all about human capital people issues and you know if you've got a business the one thing you've got is people issues. So we change what the theme of the month is going to be and it's around the six sections that we see business owners tend to struggle with. So, not going to dive into all of the membership benefits. Um, They're all listed out on our website, shiftspot.com. But we we basically just go into figuring out what your biggest business issue is, giving you support around that. We bring in, you know, we've learned that with CEOs, they are, um, there's never one coach that can coach them on all the different phases of their journey. So we kind of put them all into one pot for you and give you access to them. So you can participate as much or as little as you feel you need. If you think you've got, you know, people nailed and you want to be a better leader, well, you can come to the leadership month. Um, If you feel like you need to dive into everything, you can do that. And we also record, And have these things available on your time, because the one thing that a CEO doesn't have is a ton of time to um, make it work on our schedules. So we make it easy for you to have access to that. So with all that being said, we're going to continue with our free Marketing May. This is the first time we've ever opened our doors to the public. Um, We've had a huge response, people have really been loving it. Next week, go ahead and go to the next slide, Ken Murray. Next week, May 24th, it's our fourth event. There's only two left. Um, out of this five-part series and it's all about how to thrive in the digital era so the he's going to be talking uh, ken murray again is going to be talking about the the single set um skill set that's more important more powerful than ai and i think um i think it's going to surprise you what it is mm-hmm. so um thanks everybody for turning out if there's any questions for ken murray for ken paskins or i i mean chime on in
2: I always say silence is acceptance and it means that we hit it out. But uh, anyways,
0: <laughs> flawless execution. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, all right. Well, I will be sending this out in the replay. And um, if you guys need anything, you will, I will have everybody's contact information in that email as well.
2: All right. Thanks all. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks
0: all. Thanks have a great everyone. Day.
2: Appreciate your
1: time.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.